Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to the Defining Marriage Podcast. The first 18 episodes of this podcast contain the full audiobook of my book, Defining Marriage, and now we talk about what's happening lately with marriage equality and, I don't know, Star Wars, and um, we'll probably talk about Game of Thrones. Hi, James. Hello. Here Uh, you are. I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. I have a bone to pick. Uh, Already? Already. It's a jawbone. Okay. And here's what it is. Yeah. That Kimmy Schmidt. She has reached into my mind and stolen something that was very precious to me. That She's very controversial on the internet. Watch out, internet. Here she comes. She's going to get you. Kimmy Schmidt. Yep. What has she stolen? You see, my grandmother had a fetish for spotting people with false teeth and wigs. And when I say fetish, I don't mean fetish the way you may be thinking. Um... It, because it is not the way that anyone thinks uh, me, this word is yes, defined. Because indeed, the, the listener may not be aware of this. So there was a Marshalls. The, the listener, house. the listener may not may not have been acquainted with your grandmother. It's true. I don't know. She was. Uh, she thought she was very well known. She would storm into places and say, "Hello, I'm Judy," and then she'd pull down her sunglasses and look over them and say, "You know, Manny's wife." And there may have been a point in time where everybody knew what that meant, but by the 80s and 90s, uh, that didn't work anymore, but she still did it. Anyway, there was a Marshalls by our house, and there she would get her Liz Claiborne kimonos and her old butter cookies, uh, and she went pretty much every other day. And one day she went, and the the store had been rearranged. So she asked someone, uh, oh, oh, pardon me, hello, I'm Judy, you know, Manny's wife, Uh, where have the candles gone? And the woman told her, and she said, Oh, thank you. I've got a real fetish for them, you know. And I was mortified. I took her aside, and I was like, You know, uh, I I don't think that means what you think it means. And she's like, What? What does it mean? And I said, "Uh, Fetish is something sexual. And she said, What? You sick fuck! So to her, a fetish was just something that she was interested in or preoccupied with. Um, Believe me, this is all getting to Kimmy Schmidt. So anyway, one of her fetishes was spotting people with false teeth and dentures. So she loved to watch TV all day long and say, ooh, ooh, that's a real fake set of choppers, ugh! Uh, But it gave her a thrill. Um, Or, ooh, look at the wig on that one. So... Now, listeners may think that you're about to describe the overlap of your grandmother and Lillian. Oh, how dare you? Absolutely not. Um, or, or maybe both of the both of the Edies of Grey Gardens. Uh, no, 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 no. That- uh, so anyway, this obsession with false teeth was partly because of how gross she thought any kind of artificial thing in your mouth might be. Uh, and so one day she broke her canine tooth. I don't know how it happened. Maybe it was during pop play, one of her other fetishes it is the canine tooth Mm -hmm. uh so anyway uh she broke her tooth and she went to the dentist and they told her that she was going to need a bridge which horrified her uh and so she came home and decided that she was not going to get a bridge that she was going to take care of this herself that was a bridge too far Uh, it certainly was and so she uh, got a white chiclet, and she stuck it in the gap between her front teeth and whatever's next to your pointy tooth. Um, but the problem was, the chiclet wouldn't stay. And so she got one of her daughter's press-on nails, and squeezed it, and popped it in, and then let it go, and it kind of expanded, and it filled the gap. And so she went from place to place, letting people know that she was Judy, you know, Manny's wife... Uh, through her press-on nail tooth. Now, this is a treasured childhood memory for me. And Kimmy Schmidt, that red-headed moppet, 
has stolen it from me. That is a thing that literally happened almost identically on a recent episode. Yes. And it was so specific. And, and Matthew knows this is no retconning of, of my past. He's been telling the story just as you have heard it for many years, for as long as I've known you. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Um, and so when this came up on Kimmy Schmidt, I thought I was in some kind of solipist nightmare where the universe had, had or, or I had died. And, and this is what heaven was for me, watching sitcoms replay incidents from my youth. Um, I threw my glasses across the room, which, Matthew, you can also confirm. I can neither confirm nor deny these allegations. Um, and you were you were shocked. Seldom do I see you shocked. Mm. Uh, but you were rendered speechless and agape. At both ends. I, everything was agape. It was all hanging out. And so... Uh, well, th- how do you think I felt when they started bringing up Robin Hood on a, on a previous episode? Oh, and speaking of it in such terms, and wrist feet. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, I can't even remember how the subject came up. But somehow on Kimmy Schmidt, they were talking about um, having hands for feet and feet for hands, a.k.a. wrist feet, uh, which I, I, I don't have a personal experience with this. Oh, you got a real fetish for it. <laughs> I know. Didn't it used to be your gay.com profile picture? Yes. You with wrist yeah yeah years ago back when i think it was gay.com was a thing um i had photoshopped myself so that i had you know just kind of a a hello how are you kind of picture of me um but i had photoshopped it so that if you looked at it for long enough you'd notice that i had hands for feet uh i just thought it was kind of funny and there we are kimmy schmidt's churning away and suddenly a joke about that comes up and it's like they've reached into our lives and And a callback there were, there were two wrist feet jokes. Were there? Oh, yeah, boy, there I'm losing track now. And the Robin Hood conversation was very similar to, I asked you, like, only a week or two prior. Because so of Zootopia. Must have, yeah, because of Zootopia, that uh, I asked why it is that Robin Hood was the ship that launch, launched a thousand furries. Yeah, and my theory about that is basically what came up on the show, that uh, he was so charismatic and didn't have any pants. And I think the way they framed it, uh, they, they phrased it on the show, is uh, that, that, that Kimmy would watch Robin Hood and get a headache in her groin. And uh, I, think, I think they've nailed it. And on the subject of furries uh, and other things you have a real fetish for, right. uh, tell me um, a, a, an interest, a preoccupation. You sick fuck. Do you think it means something sexual? Where are we this weekend? We are in Texas, deep in the heart of Texas. Oh, well, golly. <laughs> uh, yeah, we just uh, did a little presentation at HavenCon and made some friends, uh, some furry, some not. But uh, yeah, we've, we've come down for HavenCon, which is a big LGBT gaming convention in Austin. And uh, we presented some uh, interviews that we've done with LGBT gamers around the country. And that was really great. We interviewed a whole bunch more LGBT gamers. I sat on a panel uh, about coming out in the games industry, which is kind of strange because I don't really work in the games industry, but I've reported on it and uh, I've been out the entire time. So there you have it. You're one of those unethical game journalists. I am. I am. I'm about ethics and game journalism. And uh, yeah, and so we've been uh, having a fun time at HavenCon, which is an extremely furry conference. It was extremely furry. Um, We didn't get to go to the costume pageant, though, because we were out doing interviews. The other thing about uh, our HavenCon experience was that the interviews took us around what I can only assume is the perimeter of Austin. I feel like we were doing some kind of 
echolocation or something where we were mapping the edges of the Austin that everyone says is awesome without ever actually going into it. Yeah, I felt a bit like a satellite in orbit around the good part. Like if we were, I don't know, we're kind of the the, the Hubble Space Telescope <laughs> around Austin, where like I guess if aliens came to Earth and they they'd heard like, oh, it's really great, you love it. They've got air and water and uh, charismatic megafauna and uh, Jack in the Box and uh, Best Buy and Best Buy and Worst Buy and they've got various kinds of buys and the aliens just kind of circled the planet for a while and orbited it and they're like oh there's a lot of junk out here and that's that's all we've seen like of austin uh, to, to us right now austin just looks like a collection of freeways and gated communities everyone was saying we should go to fourth and sixth streets mm-hmm. we did not um no. we uh didn't we have time saw a best buy we saw an ihop we did uh, we, s- we saw the inside of the hotel. We went to a Chili's. We went to a Chili's. <laughs> oh, boy. It sounds like we, we really know how to, we, how yeah, to travel. We're the best kind of tourists. Well, here's the thing is because we were doing all these interviews all day. Uh, by the time we were done, it was like 11 p.m. And the chain restaurants were the only ones that were open. So we did go to a drink well. That was a nice little local place. That was. was that was fine. Yeah, they you had, thought your hamburger tasted like a fish, but I, I thought it was did. good. Yeah, I, maybe it was that it was there was cucumbers on it, and the cucumbers made me think of fish. I don't know. Were there cucumbers? I thought they were pickles. I think they were cucumbers. Maybe, maybe they were yours pickled. weren't pickled. Yeah, maybe they put the wrong green slice on. <laughs> That's not a saying. Sure. Uh, anyway, so here we are in Austin, and it's lovely, and we're about to leave, and so we'll have seen the airport, the freeway, the Best Buy, and the Chili's. Indeed, and we saw a Game of Thrones here, so yeah. we'll always remember that. You know, I will say, though, that a lot of the folks that we've met in Austin are lovely people. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they're here. We haven't seen what draws a person to Austin, but I can only assume there's something. It's weird. Weird. Uh, I wanted we- to do the thing from uh, Little Shop, but it, I realized shaking this mic would just create horrible it sounds. It probably would. Yeah, Little Shop, uh, unrealistic in its treatment of microphones. Mm-hmm. What have we got to talk about this week? I don't know. You've, you're the one with the bones to pick. I've got some bones to pick with Prince. Oh, oh, the the, the silky man who died. Yes, yes, rest in peace. So I've never been a huge Prince fan, and not because I don't like Prince, just uh, I don't like music. No, that's not true. But I'm not, I've never really listened to... You don't to, like music. I've never listened to a lot of music. Yeah. I don't dislike music. Uh, it's just You never, dislike an awful lot of music. I dislike an awful lot of it, but it, it, it doesn't do for me what it does for a lot of people. Like, I don't listen to music and I'm like, ah, I'm transported. For some reason, music just doesn't flip the switch in my brain that it does for most other humans. And you so, want to listen like to the sounds of a fax machine. I find the sounds of a fax machine melodic, and I'm mispronouncing every word in the sentence. And by that, I mean uh, Owl City, where he just kind of whispers over the sounds yeah, of a fax yeah, yeah. machine. I know, I know. You dislike Owl City. I, For some reason, the sounds of Owl City are appealing to me probably because all of his songs are just the same Postal Service song played backwards. <laughs> anyway, so Prince, who I hear is is awful good... Uh, he passed away, and we have nothing but well wishes for his fans and family. Okay, I thought you were going to say for his corpse. For his corpse. Well, I wish well for that, I suppose. Sure. Bon um, and so there's a little bit of hand-wringing going on about Prince's legacy where it comes to LGBTs. Tell me more. There's not a lot to know, but a lot of people want to say that they know where Prince's mind was. And, and we really can't know, because he said very little on the subject. Uh, we know that he a was... A cat can look at a prince. Uh, that's true. Meow, meow. Uh, We know that he was a Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that uh, there was an interview with him in The New Yorker many years ago. I think it was 2008, uh, where he was quoted as saying, let me pull up this quote here. God came to earth and saw people sticking it wherever and doing it with whatever, and he just cleared it all out. He was enough. 
And so a lot of people have taken that to mean like, oh, did he not like gay people? Was he condemning gay people? Jehovah's Witnesses have not always had the most kind attitude about LGBTs. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that that quote was in response to him being asked specifically about gay marriage. Yes, indeed. Okay. Yes, indeed. And so it doesn't clarify much. And what's more, afterwards, he said that he was misquoted. Didn't say what he actually said. Didn't say how he actually feels about LGBTs. Just says the reporter wasn't carrying a, 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 a recording the microphone. At, what? <laughs> that sentence didn't make sense. He said that the reporter wasn't recording the interview, and he didn't say anything of the sort. What did he say? We'll never know. But a lot of people have taken that. We're seeing a little bit, you know, lots of Prince think pieces, and so we're seeing a little segment of that being like, oh, Prince, well, you know, he was uh, he, he was very anti-gay. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I remember that at the time. And and the thing is, well, you know, he had gotten more religious over time, and it's possible that when he was asked a question about marriage equality, instead of giving a very thoughtful answer, um, he just said, hey, look, the Bible, yeah, um, and then didn't really want to follow up. I mean, one of the things, reading some of these uh, post-Prince pieces that are coming out, is that it, it seems like Prince didn't really have a lot of time for people who he thought were asking stupid questions or things that weren't relevant to what he wanted to talk about. Yeah. It seems like he was very quick to dismiss people who he thought were wasting his time or just weren't interesting to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I could see, you know, particularly if he had been getting more religious, uh, his response to that question, a question he didn't want to answer, just being essentially his way of saying, look, go read the Bible. And is that anti-gay? Maybe. But on the other hand, who gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. Who cares what Prince thinks about gay people? And the other thing is that if you want to talk about Prince's legacy for LGBTs, I guess, and I'm not sure why you do, but maybe maybe you do, uh, he has presented, my, what little knowledge I have of Prince, it is clear to me that he presented people with a way to be masculine that was not your standard, typical, toxic masculinity. And like David Bowie, he showed the world, hey, look, I'm being manly in a way that you've never seen before. I think that's something that was probably pretty meaningful to a lot of queer people and straight people who were like, I'm not really conforming to gender stereotypes, but neither is this guy. So maybe that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I f- so first of all, I wouldn't be so quick to refer to conventional masculinity as toxic. However, sure. I'm speaking about a particular type of masculinity, but yeah. Sure. But also, yeah, I think one of the reasons why queer people want to feel a connection with Prince and want to believe he was supportive of things like marriage equality is because he broke down gender norms uh, in the 80s in the same way David Bowie did. And in, you know, in a similar fashion, David Bowie was not a perfect queer icon. Uh, He was out as bisexual early in his career. And then around the time of the AIDS crisis, when queer people could have really used a very public champion, um, he basically said it was all an act and didn't like go all the way to repudiating what he had said, but like, oh, I was never really bisexual. That was just part of my my character and my persona. And uh, please don't talk to me about AIDS. (laughs) Yeah, yikes. Um, So, you know, I mean, like these figures, uh, I think they did do a lot of good challenging gender norms and giving queer people a representation that they had never seen before, and I think uh, also for people who were not queer, um, different ways to be masculine, different ways to express themselves. Like, that, those things are great, but I, I think this, uh, trying to fit them into the box of sort of queer heroes doesn't, like, they don't fit neatly into those boxes, because that's never what they were trying to be, uh, and I think it's sort of trying to make them something that they, they weren't. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes with artists... 
an unintended or sort of happy a consequence of their work is that they're making the world better for queer people. But that's not what they're setting out to do. They're setting out to do their art. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's where you run into trouble trying to canonize these artists as sort of heroes of a movement or or, a, or even of a moment, because it's not what they were trying to do. And so, yeah, you're going to find with people like Prince or with David Bowie, for, for all the challenging of gender norms they did, you know, they may not have been on the same wavelength as activists at the time, certainly of activists now. And, you know, I mean... Uh, they they weren't the kind of masculinity that you saw in pop culture at the time and that was hugely important but it is what it is it it doesn't like i mean i don't know that it really has anything to do with marriage equality so i don't know i kind of get prince being asked about marriage equality and just being like i don't know go read the bible yeah uh, you know, and I, I did find one kind of delightful story about uh, that that shed some light onto his religious, uh, I don't know, orientation. There was apparently a point after his conversion to Jehovah's Witness where one day uh, this young, newly married couple opened the door of their house. Someone knocked on the door of their house, and uh, it was Prince, and he was offering copies of The Watchtower, which is apparently like the Jehovah's Witness I don't want to say Bible, because it's not, but the Jehovah's Witness tome? I don't know. I think it's their newsletter. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so, and, yeah, uh, that that's a thing that Jehovah's Witnesses do, is obviously they go to door, door-to-door door and uh, proselytize. And, um, yeah, Prince, uh, you know, did not think he was above that. So can you imagine, first of all, opening the door, second of all, being a young, newly married Jewish couple, uh, and second, it just happened to be Yom Kippur. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. Dig, if you will, the watchtower. I assume that's a Prince song. I don't know. Sure. The only Prince... Here is the extent of my knowledge about Prince. Uh, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he once um, he said hello to a Jewish couple on Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sang the song Purple Rain. He did. Which sounds like the beginning... The beginning of Purple Rain sounds like the beginning of The Rose. The way you warbled it, yes. And... Wait, do it for me. Purple Rain. You're like weirdly it's close. really purple. Less close. Okay. And also, he had sleeves that were kind of poofy at the ends. He sometimes did. Uh, I think he wanted you to suck his kiss. I may be wrong about that, but I think he wanted you to suck his kiss. He had a little red Corvette. He made the doves very sad. And he's in an animated gif where he looks kind of disgusted. Oh, he's in quite a few of those. He was almost in an episode of The Simpsons. He was on an episode of The New Girl. And I was like, is he a thing? I guess he's a thing. Oh, surely you knew. I mean, you you, you saw the Animaniacs joke, right? When you were a kid? Yes, Literally, I had not thought about Prince between Animaniacs and The New Girl. Hmm. I don't know. For some his reason... Two, his two triumphs, his the two, high watermarks. Yeah, yeah. I just... I don't know. For some reason, music, I'm like, yeah, it sounds very nice. I... You know. It just doesn't make me excited. So in the year 1999, I knew you in the year 1999. I, I can't remember a specific instance, but it would have been impossible for you not to have heard the Prince song 1999. You know, it probably was just like background to me. That's how I feel about songs. Mm-hmm. That they just, you know, kind of float to us from somewhere. Sure, the muse. The muse. Olivia music. Newton-John. Yes, yeah. If she didn't write it, I'm not interested. Do you think she was whispering into Prince's ear with her hands over her eyes? Yes, I think it's very creepy to him. You just gestured that. Listeners won't be able to appreciate your Olivia Newton-John gesture. That's okay. Just watch the first uh, Olivia 10 Newton minutes gesture. of Xanadu and yeah. you'll understand. Uh, speaking of Texas... Yeah, oh, sure. Let's speak of it. Yeah, there's some more... 
some more news about Texas. Okay. It's big. No, that's not the news. Uh, the so, stars at night are not big and bright. There are none. No, there are no stars. We have not seen it. We looked at the, at the sky here in Austin, and mm-hmm. there were no stars. So uh, Texas, uh, get some stars. You need at least one, right, to justify the flag? Oh, yeah. Good grief. It's the Lone Star State. Maybe it's that's very it. lonely. Yeah, yeah. They, somebody got rid of the Lone Star, and that was their only one. Mm, somebody rustled all the others. So there's a guy here who wants to marry a computer. Don't we all? <laughs> yes. I, I kind of have. Uh, so, yeah. Synergy? Yes. Is that the one he wants to marry? Because that is a very advanced computer. Uh, so this fella has filed a lawsuit against Texas saying uh-huh. that he should be allowed to marry his laptop because if we're redefining marriage, we should be able to marry whatever the hell we want. Okay. Um, and the state of Texas is like, oh, this is not helpful. Uh, Texas officials are hostile to marriage equality. And yet, mm-hmm. uh, this guy's nuisance lawsuit uh, has not been warmly received by anybody. Okay. Well, this reminds me of uh, Cleola Rorex in Colorado in the olden days. After she let uh, a same-sex couple marry, didn't somebody try to marry their horse? Yes, indeed. Uh, this local crackpot, Harold something, I think, mm-hmm. uh, came in with his horse. Actually, it was not his. He just rented the horse. Oh, uh, Which wow. raises all kinds of yeah. questions. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So he rented the horse from Hidden Valley Ranch. Oh, yeah. delicious. <laughs> yes. It was a horse made of salad dressing. Mm-hmm. And uh, brought her into the office and said, I think her name was Dolly. Sure, dipped said, an onion ring in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and said to Cleela, because she had been issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples, he said, I want to marry my horse. Mm-hmm. And so she pointed out that the horse was only eight years old and not old enough to marry. Mm-hmm. And that was that. And reportedly, I don't know if this is true, he, the, this guy who was doing this publicity stunt, uh, said, oh, well, and then invited her across the street for a drink at a bar. And she joined him. And that was that. Okay. Afterwards, uh, when he brought the horse back to the ranch, uh, a reporter called up the ranch for comment and uh, says that um, this woman that he spoke to kind of like sighed unhappily and said of the horse, she won't be fit to ride anymore. <laughs> so That's too good to be true, yes. but let's, uh, let's not fact check it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so this guy wants to marry his computer. Was it a boy? So... Let me start by asking, was it a boy horse or a girl horse? It was a lady horse. Oh, well, then I don't see any problem there. Is it a boy computer or a girl computer? I don't know. Also, it, how old is it? Here's the thing. Uh, it is at least three years old. Oh, well, perfect. Yes, which we know because it's not this guy's first time at the computer rodeo. Oh, really? Yeah, so this computer was the subject of a lawsuit that he filed against, I think, Apple. Yeah, it was against Apple. Oh. He sued Apple uh-huh. for allowing to be, him to become addicted to pornography. Oh, I see. So that is why he wants to marry it, to make his uh, his filthy assignations uh, yes. legitimate. Make an honest computer out of it. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I think it was uh, 2013. It might have been 2011. No, it was 2013. Did he knock it up? That must be it. It's a shotgun wedding. Oh. He sued Apple for making a computer that could access pornographic images without uh, providing him any kind of warning or filter for this sort of thing. Okay. Uh, and uh, I don't think this lawsuit went anywhere, but, sure. uh, you know, he still made some headlines for it. Uh, his complaint was that uh, he was able to access pornography when, as the result of a typographic error. He was mm-hmm. trying to go to Facebook.com. But accidentally typed fuckbook.com. I was hoping that would be the, the mm. typo. Yes. What is on fuckbook.com? I actually, can you believe well, I didn't go? Yeah, let's look up fuckbook.com. All right, we're looking up fuckbook.com, everyone. Now, this might be the end of us. This may be the end of our lives, because we may get pulled into the web of pornography. Yes, and then we may find ourselves in a polygamous marriage with this ma- laptop. The- All right, we're entering it in. This, we're staying at a hotel right now. I wonder if they have any sort of like content filter on fuckbook.com. We would not be the first people to look up fuckbook at this hotel. 
fuck book. Are you looking for pleasure? <laughs> Aren't we all? Sure. It's a philosophical question. Oh, I see. They've got a little pink woman crawling seductively Wait, towards us. Though, this is not even pornography, I don't think. I think this is one of those uh, oh, yeah. dating sites where most of the profiles are fake. Yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of men and uh, robot women. Yeah. Not this the kind you want to marry. But this doesn't look like it's even pornography. So it I would throw the case out on those grounds. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's a thing at the bottom that says live girls. So there's oh, okay. that. And, and, and pin, dead girls. And dead girls. Well, suicide girls. Uh, there's pin boards. Are they on Pinterest? I don't know. But they had a nice little effect there when you click. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Fuckbook has, like, a Pinterest knockoff? Yeah. Wait. So, yeah, they do. It's, it's almost a direct knockoff of Pinterest. One of the things I'm fascinated, though, is that I didn't expect to see a lot of dicks. Yeah, there's some dicks. There's a, I mean, it's almost entirely boobies and panties and uh, in what lies beneath. But uh, there's, there's some dicks. Yeah, here's a, a board named Cock huh. with three items. Oh. I wonder what they are. Not as many as in, uh, what is that? Was there a thing about vaping? Vipe. Oh, I don't sorry. know what Vipe means. I don't either. Vipe pinboard. Anyway, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I was hoping there'd be a vaping. Because what could be better than vaping on Fuckbook? I can't think of anything. I can't think of a single thing. Anyway, and there's also an ad from Kitty Girl. We've got an incoming call from Kitty Girl. The call is that... uh, The call is coming from inside the kitty. Oh, good grief. Oh, well, that's the end of that phone. Anyway, so this guy wants to marry his uh, laptop. Also has a... um, restraining order filed against him uh, by a 17-year-old girl that he was stalking. Oh, dear. Uh, He also uh, is a Christian EDM producer. This all makes sense somehow? Like, all those things? Like, the the pornography suit, the trying to marry the computer, the Christian EDM, uh, and unfortunately, the stalking. They somehow all paint a very consistent picture. Yeah. He's a former attorney, but I don't think he's practicing anymore. Okay, that checks out. Yeah. Anyway, so now, yeah, now he's a Christian EDM producer. Best of luck to him. And sure. best of luck to the happy couple. Fondest, fondest wishes to the happy couple. Sure. So, I mean, I guess uh, this stunt, and it is, you know, people think they're very witty when they come up with this stunt each time of, oh, well, if, you can, if a man can marry a man, then I can marry anything. What are some of the differences between a man marrying a man and a woman marrying a woman and, uh, you know, marrying dogs and cats and chickens and horses and computers and whatever. I can't think of a single one. Oh, okay. Never uh, mind. <laughs> Mazel tov. Yes. Uh, well, let's go to consent. Uh, let's start mm-hmm. there. It's always a nice place to start. Sure. I mean, my understanding of a marriage is that it is a contract that two consenting adults enter into willingly that they are going to form a partnership um, I don't know how your dog or your horse or your cat or your chicken or your computer, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's only in, in Russia where the Eula agrees to you. Are you saying that in Russia you can marry your marriage? No, I'm saying that, uh, we agree to things all the time on computers, mm-hmm. but the computer never agrees to anything <laughs> with us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the, the function of marriage as we understand it, and maybe this will change over time because it, the function of marriage has always changed uh, and it probably will not stay constant, as nice as it is right now, uh, is for two people to form a, a, a partnership, like you said. Well, right. And, and, and the formation of any kind of contractual partnership requires the, the consent of the partners. Yes. Um, and if you have an inanimate object or an animal or someone who is unable to consent, for instance, somebody who is unable underage, Mm -hmm. um, these are all things that would in 
invalidate a marriage contract. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like on its surface, like a consenting adult man can marry a consenting adult man and a consenting woman can marry a consenting woman. I just, I don't see how then you make the leap to, I can just marry anything. I can marry the Eiffel Tower. I can marry a pudding. Mm-hmm. And maybe over time that'll change and marriage will become a word for just a thing you do with something you like. And at which point, I don't know, uh, maybe then it'll become legal. But I don't anticipate that happening anytime in the near future. Probably not. This actually brings me to another thing that's going on this week in Alabama. Oh. So, yes, uh, all the all the um, gay-friendly states. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alabama's working on a bill that would get rid of marriage licenses altogether. Good. Yeah. Uh, so you just enter into a contract, mm-hmm. and then you'd have a contract. It would be a legal thing. And none of these, I think it's probate judges in Alabama, would have to put their names on all of marriage that they don't approve of. Great. That would be hugely popular. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they've struck a blow for everyone's liberty. Uh, you know, and I think for gay couples uh, and for most people, it's going to be like, well, who cares? As long as I get can I have my wedding ceremony and I get my tax break and I don't have to testify against this person in court. Uh, the difference to the practical difference to people is going to be fairly negligible. Um, well, wait, walk me through that. So what, what do you mean? So are, are they just changing the name of the form? Yeah, the, the, oh. the form's a little different. And they're getting rid of the requirement that you have to apparently in Alabama, you have to have a wedding ceremony in order to be legally married and mm-hmm. they're getting rid of that requirement is that common because i thought like aren't there a lot of places where you can just go to city hall i mean i guess that counts as a ceremony i guess i don't know what qualifies as a ceremony maybe okay. you could say like i marry you i marry you i marry you and you're married and that's a ceremony sure citizens marriage yep uh, yeah. Uh, listeners, again, you cannot appreciate the extent of James's gestures there, but he just made a little twirly gesture with his fingers over his nipples, a la oh. Steve Martin in The Jerk? No, The Man with Two Brains. No, it's The Jerk. But um, it is not. It's The Man with Two Brains. Citizens divorce, he says oh, to Kathleen Turner. It is The Man with Two Brains, because of course it's to Kathleen Turner, mm-hmm. who has the classic line, my balls! She does. She, there are many classic lines in that. You have lovingly quoted... Uh, pointy birds to me. Oh, yes. Pointy birds. Pointy, pointy. Anoint my head. Anointy, anointy. Yes. I love when you quote Steve Martin's obscure movies of the 1980s to also, me. Also, get that cat out of here. <laughs> Are you just going to quote all the best lines of The Man with Two Brains? Because if you do, uh, <laughs> I'm going to become amorous and pounce on you. Yeah. Um, listeners, while Matthew is pouncing, uh, go to Netflix and look up The Man with Two Brains. I suppose you could do that, sure. Uh, also look up uh, Kimmy Schmidt so you can see uh, James's uh, grandmother's fingernail trick. <laughs> oh, she had many. <laughs> we, uh, you know, as long as we're talking about uh, gay marriage stuff... Uh, wait, wait, week, wait, wait, are we done with Alabama? I think so. Oh, I mean, that's all there is to say, really. Well, no, right? no, help me understand. So, so, so they're just changing the name of the forum and the requirement to have a ceremony... Other than that, everything's exactly the same? Yeah, and I think that the, like you don't have to have a judge sign it anymore. You could just have it notarized, or you could just submit the thing to a clerk. I mean, at some point, some government official is going to have to process this thing. So they're just shuffling the problems down the line somewhere. But well, at what least... problems? Does this create any problems, or does yeah. it actually just make it easier to get married? I mean, I can see it creating confusion. Like, Because if, if some clerk is like, oh, I can't give you a marriage license, but I can give you this contract of partnership and people are like i want a marriage license i could see there being confusion about what's the difference Mm -hmm. yeah the problem that it's solving is that some people don't want to put their name on a gay marriage license so okay so they're going to create a lot of confusion to not solve any kind of problem that is correct 
Okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. Best I mean, I don't think they him. should be issuing marriage licenses anyway, so who cares? Yeah. Uh, there you go. So everybody everybody wins slash loses. Yep. And that's how politics works. Hmm. So uh, in happier news, sure. uh, President Obama was in England this week. Oh, did he get a banger in the mouth? We just call them a sausage in the mouth. Oh. Uh, and so he's doing a Q&A, and somebody asked him what grassroots movement he was most impressed by, and he cited marriage equality, mm-hmm. so that he had never seen so much progress in a movement before. And uh, so that's nice. And then delightfully, uh, this student kind of came out to him, but not what most people think of as, in terms of coming out. She came out as non-binary. Uh-huh. So there, he's doing a Q&A with students. And she said she was going to ask him uh, intentionally. Originally, she was, going to, she was intending to ask him a question about Libya. Mm-hmm. But when she got to the mic, she said uh, that this was something that was weighing on her mind a bit more. And it's something that she'd never seen someone question a world leader about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she said, I don't have the exact quote, uh, but she said something along the lines of, uh, I'm about to do something crazy, which is probably not something you want to say to a president. To a president, yes. Uh, but she said that... And then she, she reached into her jacket. Yeah. Uh, she said that she was coming out as non-binary and that her family did not know. Uh, she's 20 years old. Her name is Maria Munir. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's from a Pakistani Muslim family. Uh, she said that her blood ran cold as the words were coming out of her mouth, and she was terrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Obama said some nice words. Um, basically, she said that she wanted uh, non-binary people to be uh, afford the same respect and consideration uh, that trans people are, are starting to receive now. Uh, and so he said that uh, it may be difficult to feel like progress is being made, but progress is being made for people. I think the, the, the phrase that he used was in your situation mm-hmm. uh, faster than, than for any other civil rights movement. And so uh, it's hard to be patient, but uh, not as much patience is required for this movement as has been required for other social justice movements. Okay. Yeah. So the whole thing uh, was quite nice. He, oh, he said, um, uh, you should feel encouraged. Social attitudes are changing. That doesn't mean it's fast enough, but you should keep pushing. And it's in part due to the courageous acts of young people like yourself. Very he also nice. said, uh, in, in terms of marriage equality, that his daughters uh, helped him change his mind. That he thought that civil unions were good enough, but talking to his daughters uh, helped him come around. That uh, the word marriage matters and that treating people equally includes using the terminology equally okay so yeah president obama for president again why are we having an election why can't we just keep him around oh that is the nightmare scenario isn't it don't say that too loudly in texas (laughs) yeah okay yeah in texas maybe not well i don't know isn't austin weird can't we say that safely here uh maybe maybe we're in a bubble we're actually we're going to be flying through george bush uh, international airport though intercontinental airport not this time oh no that's right you're right we're not gonna be passing through we're passing through sfo where we could say it even louder yes exactly coronate him yes or um, I don't know. I don't know who the green candidate is this this time. Is uh, there one? I don't know. Is there a green candidate running for president? I haven't heard anything about it. Ted Cruz looks a little green sometimes. <laughs> He's sickly. Green around the gills. <laughs> he and Kasich are teaming up. Oh, for kissing time? Yes. Opening a kissing booth? Oh, they're going into into a closet for, what is it, 10 minutes in heaven? Uh, it's it's uh, 20 minutes in the pants. Sure. Uh, they are going into the closet together. Sure. Uh, against uh, Donald Trump. So they're teaming up. Ted Cruz is going to uh, throw the fight in some states. Kasich is going to throw the fight in other states to clear a path for each other. How do they do that? Because, like, what if somebody likes Kasich? I mean, how, <laughs> how is Cruz going to win them over? Yeah. Because so- like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, like they're not... They're, they're actually, they're very similar. But they don't present in a similar way. And I'm just wondering how... A Cruz supporter, somebody who's seen all the debates and somebody who's like, you know, on lock for Cruz at this point, is going to be swayed to Kasich or vice versa. 
Well, so, for example, uh, the three states where they're concentrating right now is Indiana, Oregon, and New Mexico. Uh-huh. So in Indiana, uh, Kasich really does not have a shot. It's an expensive market, and Cruz is doing okay. And so Kasich is just closing up. And he's saying, uh, bye, Indiana, never mind. And he's going to Oregon and New Mexico, where he has better chances. Okay. Uh, Cruz has more money, and so he can afford Indiana. Mm-hmm. So Cruz is going to run against Trump in Indiana. Kasich- Who is giving him money? Who's giving Kasich money? Or Cruz. Cruz? I don't know. Rich people? That's where they but, get their money from. Companies and pe- rich people who need favors, that's who gives money to politicians. Okay. Because, I mean, like, Trump wears his crazy on his sleeve. But, well, no, Cruz does, too. Like, I, I don't see how... It, it seems like, to make a Game of Thrones reference, it, it, it seems like installing Jonathan Price as Sept, thinking that he's going to do you all these favors when he's in office, when he's made it really clear that he has this this hard, extreme doctrine that guides what he does. Like, why do they think Cruz is going to be helpful to them? First of all, it's Septon. The Sept is where the Sept works. Oh, okay. Uh, it's deviated. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the calculation is with Cruz, but I don't think anyone who's giving him money thinks that, you know, that they that they actually believe in what he's saying. They're giving him money because once he's president and they think he can become president, they're like, oh, this guy is going to pass laws that I like, and when I need something, I can call him up. Well, but that's why I make the Game of Thrones reference, because the I think that was Cersei's calculation, right? That the Septum... That the, the, when he was just the high sparrow or whatever, Mm -hmm. that he was playing the same game as everyone else, that he was out for political power and to exchange favors and that sort of thing. So when she made him a super pope and gave him an army, Mm -hmm. she was expecting him to be like, oh, okay, well, she put me here, so now I'm going to play the game with her. And instead, he made her do the walk of shame. Uh, maybe that'll happen. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's really impossible to predict. I mean, basically, this is how politics has always worked, is you give money to people and uh, those people give you favors. Mm-hmm. And now everything is breaking down and mm-hmm. nothing is going the way that it's supposed to. So I think people are giving money to politicians because uh, that's what we've always done. So maybe if we just give enough money to politicians, everything will reset. And who knows? Maybe. Uh, right now, like Ted Cruz and um, Harvey Kasich, I've forgotten his first name. Let's call him Harvey. Mr. Kasich. Yeah. Uh, have uh, them teaming up together. The first thing it made me think of was that couple in Titanic that's holding hands in bed as the ship goes down. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Spooning. Spooning together as mm. their room fills with ice water. Uh, yeah. Far. Wherever you are You're not going to make me cry on the podcast I am here and my heart is a beef You Listeners, thank you for joining us, as always. If you have feedback on today's episode, please uh, get in touch. I'm at Matt Baum on Twitter, and you can also leave a review on iTunes. You can get my book, Defining Marriage, on Amazon.com. You can leave a review on the book there as well. Uh, You might also like my other podcast, The Sewers of Paris, where I talk to gay men about entertainment that changed their lives. Uh, You can get that at SewersofParis.com. My guest this week was David Gator, writer on the game uh, Dragon Age, one of the most uh, expansive uh, same-sex romances uh, available in games is is in Dragon Age, and David Gator helped write it. Uh, as always, uh, I love to hear your feedback, so get in touch at Matt Baum. And uh, by the power vested in me by the internet, I now pronounce this podcast over. You're here, there's nothing I fear, 
fetish for you. 